Welcome to the Serialized Short Story Podcast, Secrets Out, by Christopher Chapman. Secrets Out is performed by the author. You can pre-order Secrets Out as an ebook that will play on Kindle, Nook, Kobo, and any iDevice you can get your hands on by going to goingpostalpublishing.com and clicking on the store link. Listener discretion is advised. There are adult situations, violence, and naughty words your mother wouldn't want you repeating to your neighbor. And now, the story continues. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Going Postal Cast. This is the first zombie, part two. This is the second and final episode of the first zombie. That means we will be going quiet, no new episodes, until the first Monday in February. That'll be February 3rd. So I hope all of you have been good, or well, however you want to say it, in your neck of the woods. I've had quite the week, and I'm going to get into that probably after we go through the new episode. All I'm going to say right now is, what a week. I would not wish this week upon some of my worst enemies. Well, maybe I would, but that's because I am mean. Very, very mean. If you hear noise in the background, that is my furnace again. Even though it's been a nice day today, the furnace is still going. It was a beautiful day today. I got to go out and scrape the driveway, and now I get to enjoy like 13 straight days off from my day job. So I'm going to get a lot done, hopefully, after I get back from being out of town on Wednesday, but I'll get into that too. At the after the episode. So without further ado, let's just get into the episode. This is The First Zombie, Part 2. What's going on? Ben asked. I got a note saying that you had finished examining the body yesterday and that I was supposed to run a few tests on it this evening. Am I missing something? No, I said, lying. Of course he was missing something. He was so fucking stupid that he couldn't come up with the answer to his own stupid question. Just going over a few things that I thought about last night, I stood there, seething over Ben and the look he gave me. Although later I would determine that look was concern, I could have sworn that he was giving me a cocky smile, letting me know that he wanted to ruin my career. I could have sworn he was doing that. Something inside of me continued to change. I could feel it getting stronger. Ben had always been somebody I could trust, a person I could work with and have no issues. Those days were long behind me. There was something else as well. That hunger I'd felt when Stacy had given me that hug this morning had returned. This time there was no raw hamburger to quench my appetite. Why was I suddenly so hungry? Why had the only two times I'd been hungry all day come during the moments when I was close to another human being? It didn't make any sense. Ben approached, passing me by and walking up alongside the body. He looked down at the same shoulder I had moments before. He seemed to stare for a few seconds, then turned to me. Did you see this? He asked. I saw where you'd made that cut yesterday. It's gone today. He paused as if he was choosing his words carefully. It's as if the body has healed that wound. He approached me. Did you get an idea of how old this body is? I had. I ran some tissue samples, 
trying to get a better idea of how old the body was. Dealing with something as old as this body, there was no real way of knowing. All I was able to do was confirm what I'd already known. It's over 2,000 years old, I said, hearing that strange sound again, the same one I'd heard when Stacy had hugged me. The sound was louder this time and seemed to intensify my hunger. What was causing that, and when would it stop? This is the greatest single discovery in knowing about the culture of people who lived around the Amazon at that time, he said. I disagreed. Ben turned back towards the body. I took two steps closer. He turned as I was close enough to smell the sweat on his body. It smelled sweeter than it should have. Ben looked at me, then down at my exposed hand. He nearly jumped backwards. What the hell did you do to yourself? He asked me, his eyes growing large. He took a step back. I matched that step with one of my own. He kept moving backwards. I moved with him step for step. This, I said, lifting my hand so he could get a better look at it. This is nothing. I looked at him. Haven't you ever seen a missing finger before? He kept looking at it. Hasn't your mom ever told you that it's not polite to stare? I, uh, I, he said, unable to get any actual words out. My stomach nearly seized with hunger. I was so hungry that I couldn't take it anymore. I needed to eat, and I needed to do it now. I think we better call 9-1, before he could say the last number I was on him. Even now, I don't know what came over me, but I was on a mission that wouldn't end until I had done what I needed to. I slammed Ben to the ground with strength I never knew I possessed. I held him down using every part of my body that was available. Knees, elbows, hands, it didn't matter. Ben tried to turn away from me as I moved my face closer to his. That was where I lost control. My teeth sunk into his throat, much the way they had into the hamburger earlier. I chewed at the skin and tendons, ripping them from his body. He struggled against me, but lost strength fast. What the fuck are you doing? I stared ahead at Ben. His throat was perfectly fine, and we were both standing. What the hell had just happened? I saw myself eating his flesh one second, and the next I was just standing there and he was fine. Ben was holding the side of his neck. There was a small red mark where I believed I had ripped him to shreds. I can't believe that you fucking beat me, Ben said, still rubbing his neck. What the hell did you do that for? I, I don't know, I replied. I was honestly unsure why I'd done that. All I could think about was how hungry I'd been and how I had felt as if I ripped into him. I'm so very sorry. Judging by the look on his face, I knew that the apology had no effect on him. He was terrified of me and had good reason to. I had just bitten him. I may not have torn the skin like I believed I had, but I had injured him just the same. I went to put a hand on his shoulder to apologize, but he backed away quickly. You can just stay the fuck away from me, Ben said, his eyes white with fear and anger. I didn't blame him for that reaction. Ben ran out of the lab. I knew that he was headed for security. Knowing that there was little I could do to help my situation, or the weird vision I'd had, I knew that it was time that I made my own exit. I ran for the door, 
not even bothering to put away the body or any of the equipment. I had bigger fish to fry than worrying about what I had left out. My job was as good as gone, and I knew it. I was going to be unemployed by day's end, and possibly even heading to jail with an assault charge. I needed to get home. Stacy would know what to do. It was time that I told her everything. I arrived at home not all that long later. She wasn't home from work yet. I decided that it was better to wait for her and keep myself out of trouble. The phone kept ringing. I suspected that I knew who it was without ever looking at the caller ID. It would be my boss's, or should I say my former boss's. There was a knock at the door. I looked at the time, knowing that it was still about an hour before Stacy would be home. I went to an upstairs window, peeking outside while concealed in shadow. Yep, two men in police uniforms. Charges had been filed, and they were here to arrest me, or at least question me. I let them knock for five more minutes. I was worried that they were going to break down the door like they do in all the cop shows, but they didn't. They left without issue. I knew they'd be back soon enough. I checked myself over, examining to see if the blackness had spread. It had. My entire left arm had dark veins and arteries just under the skin. My hand was far worse. I tapped at the area where my finger had fallen off just hours before. It didn't hurt to touch, which was surprising, but the remaining pieces of finger broke off. Fuck, I yelled out watching as blackened chunks of flesh dropped to the floor. I knew that it should have hurt, but I felt nothing. That gave me an idea. I walked into the kitchen and opened the first drawer I came to. I reached inside and grabbed what I had been looking for. I stabbed myself in the left forearm with the knife. It went into the skin several inches, but I didn't feel anything. Was I invincible? I didn't think so. I believed that it had something to do with the fact that I believed I was already dead. Why should I have felt pain when I was already a corpse, much like the body sitting in the lab? I pulled the knife from my arm and tossed it onto the counter. There should have been blood, but there wasn't. Black goop, much like the shit that had burned through my gloves and started this whole mess, slowly leaked out from the cut. I watched the wound, finding that it had already started to heal. What I was seeing was impossible. Hell, everything that had happened to me since I woke up this morning was impossible. I continued to wait for Stacy to get home. My eyes went to the clock every couple of minutes. When the clock struck six, a full hour after she was supposed to be home, I knew that the police were questioning her. I knew Stacy would never be dumb enough to turn me in. Or would she? By the time Stacy finally got home at quarter to seven, I was completely irate. My mind was a swirl of emotion and hard to control. My gut feeling was that it had mostly to do with that black shit filling my body. It had made it to my brain and was replacing the blood that should have been there. What was I becoming? I didn't know, but I knew that I would soon find out. I wanted to tell her the truth but I needed to know what the cops were saying first. The look on her face told me that it wasn't good. Do you have any idea where I've been? She asked. Cops? Yes, she said, surprised by my answer. Jim, you need to...
to tell me what's going on here. Who was she to be giving me demands? She was the one speaking to the cops. I needed to put her in her place. I'll tell you everything, just as soon as you back off with this attitude and tell me what the cops wanted. Her eyes grew large. I knew that my voice had been raised and that she was suddenly afraid of me. In our three years of marriage, I'd only yelled at her two other times. Neither times were my finest hours, but neither held a candle to what I was dealing with now. I'd felt remorse almost immediately afterwards each of those times. I felt none now. Kill me, I shouted, moving a couple steps closer to her and positioning her against the wall so she would have trouble escaping. Tell me, or so help me God all. I didn't finish that sentence. I didn't need to. She was crying as she said, They said that you assaulted Ben Soder. They said that you bit him. I told them that they were out of their minds. Now, after seeing you like this, I'm not sure anymore. Why would you bite Ben? We've had dinner at his house. I'm friends with his wife. I heard what she was saying, yet I didn't. All I could think about was what she had told them, wondering if they would soon be paying me a visit. What did you tell them? That you probably didn't do it. I don't know, though. They asked me if you were home, and I said you might have been out. Did they come here? I nodded. Did you answer the door? She paused for only a moment. You didn't, did you? I looked at her for a few seconds, wondering what I should do. I didn't see any harm in telling her the truth. I didn't because I really did bite him, I said. The look on her face worsened, and her crying got louder. I don't know what came over me. There's something happening to me that I don't understand and I can't control. I went back to the beginning, telling her everything that I've already written here. At first, the crying only got worse, but after a while, she fell silent. I couldn't figure out why that was. I believed it was because she was finally starting to understand what I've been through, but I would soon find out that wasn't the case. I would have found out sooner, but the phone rang again. Don't get that, I instructed, but she paid me no attention. She walked to the phone and picked it up. I didn't pay any attention to what she said until she called for me. It's Ben, she said. I really think that you need to talk to him. I wondered why Ben was calling. Did he have a lawsuit planned for me as well now? And after everything I'd told her, why would she hand the phone over to me, especially after finding out that it was Ben? As I grabbed the phone from her, I saw her wince. It wasn't pain. It was fear. I would have dealt with that right then and there, but I wanted to find out what Ben had to say. Yeah? Do you have some sort of infectious disease? Ben asked his voice filled with panic. I'm calling you from my car because I'm on my way to the hospital. That spot where you bit me has turned black and I think it's spreading. My mind was racing. The same thing that had happened to me was now happening to him. How was that possible? Did you touch anything that came out of the corpse? I asked. Absolutely not. After what you did, I called security, talked to them for 20 minutes, was interviewed by police, then came home on paid leave. As far as I know, the body's still sitting out on that table, probably rotting. How about your heart? Any changes to your heartbeat? 
There was a moment of silence. How in the hell did you know about that? Jim, if you know what's causing this, I need to know. I want some kind of idea what to tell a doctor on duty. I'm seriously sick, and this is spreading quickly. So, your heart has stopped? What? No, of course not. Why in the hell would you ask that? I thought you were talking about the irregular heartbeat. If my heart had stopped, do you really think I'd be talking to you right now? Stranger things have happened, I thought, knowing that's how it had happened to me. Maybe my heart had been acting funny throughout yesterday, and I hadn't noticed. Also, I'd left my hand wrapped most of the day, only taking off the bandages as I got into bed after the lights were already off. I never saw what my finger had looked like last night, nor did I notice anything about my heart. Whatever was happening to Ben was very similar to what was happening to me, but was possibly happening much faster. Would his whole side fall off by morning? I didn't think it would, but I knew that it was only a matter of time before his heart stopped. The only question was, would he die or still walk around like me? Ben, I'm really sorry about what I did, I said, only wanting to drop the hate barrier that had been put up between us after what had happened this morning. I want you to get as much blood work as you can. Have them check all of your levels. I want you to call me back as soon as you know what's happening. Can you do that for me? Um, I guess so, he said. He sounded like a man that was resigned to not being in control of his fate. He knew that I had a better idea of what was happening than he, and was willing to put aside his hatred just long enough to do what I asked. I knew that it wasn't the end of our issues, and he proved that with what he said next. I hope you don't think that this means I'm going to call off the cops. You do what you have to do, I said coldly trying to get him off the line. Just call me back when you know something. I hung up the phone before he could say anything more. My mind was focused on what Ben had just said. Had I really spread the illness to him just by biting him? Apparently I had. I felt horrible about it, especially knowing that soon he wouldn't be any different than I was. I turned to find Stacy looking at me with skepticism written all over her face. What happened to you? She asked calmly. I already told you, I said, frustrated that I may have to repeat myself again. That's not what I mean, she said, her eyes taking on a meanness that I'd never seen there before. What I mean is, what happened to you to give me a story like this? I held up my hand, my bad hand. She jumped back as though a spider had come down right in front of her. Does this look like a story to you? I asked raising my voice slightly. I'd show you the piece of finger that had fallen off, but I think I left it back at the lab. Stacy, I think that I'm dead, but somehow still able to walk around and talk to you like I am now. You mean, like some kind of zombie or something? I stared at her for a few seconds, taking in the words. Zombie? I can't say that the idea hadn't already crossed my mind. Up until that point, I hadn't really put a whole lot of stock in it. Now, it was as if it made perfect sense. No heartbeat, no breathing, skin rotting, and a sudden hunger for raw hamburger in Ben's skin. That was very zombie-like in my opinion. Stacy approached me, putting a hand on my shoulder. That familiar hunger returned as she became close enough that I could reach out and grab her. I resisted the temptation, 
if what she said were true, just how long would I be able to resist? I didn't think that it would be very long. At the rate I was going, it could be a matter of minutes. I'd already tried to take a bite out of Ben. We need to get you to the hospital, Stacy said. No, I said. I've already sent Ben. We just need to wait and see what happens to him. What do you mean by that? Could she really be that stupid? The answer was obvious. Stacy, he has what I have. I want to know if a doctor is going to lock him up and throw away the key. I'll bet that they'll have to call into the government so quick that it'll make his head spin. I'm not going to be anybody's guinea pig. If they actually can do something for him, I want to know. If not, I move on to the next step. I had no idea what the next step would be. I was completely lost. I knew that the answers would come to me when the time came. If the time came. I've heard just about enough of this, Stacy said, walking past me towards the phone. Stop, I said, grabbing hold of her and pulling her back. Let me go, she said, shrugging my hand off her shoulder. I'm doing this because you're too damn stubborn. I'm calling for an ambulance and there's nothing you can do to stop me. She grabbed the phone and started dialing. I saw her press a nine, then a one. Before she could press that last one, I was on her. I sunk my teeth into her neck and felt the warm spray of her blood as my teeth spliced through her jugular. Somehow, I knew that this was no dream. I had just bitten into my wife. Stacy stood frozen, unable to press the last number that would have summoned the ambulance, leading to the government being called where they would have me quarantined for sure. There was no way in hell I would allow her to have done that to me. I relinquished my death grip long enough to grab the phone from her. I pressed the off button and set it back down on the counter as blood sprayed all over the phone, the counter, and me. I didn't care. This had to be done. I stood back, watching as she stared back at me with that annoying look of surprise on her face. It was as if she didn't think I'd done what I had. It was obvious that she didn't know me very well anymore. I guess that's what happens when you're no longer a member of the living. Blood poured out of the hole in her throat, as well as her mouth. She was trying to tell me something, but I couldn't understand it through the gurgling. It didn't matter. There was nothing that she could say that I needed to hear. She dropped to her knees, never taking her eyes off me. Was that a tear I saw? Maybe it was. She dropped face first onto the floor. She convulsed a few times as the blood spread around her body in a puddle. Forty-five seconds later, she stopped moving altogether. She was dead. I knelt down beside her, placing my arm around her. I'm very sorry, I said, then found that I couldn't resist any longer. I sunk my teeth into her again, and again, and again, tearing chunks of flesh from her body and swallowing them down as though I hadn't eaten in weeks. Stacy was so delicious. If I'd known that she was as tasty as she was, I would have done this years ago. That was almost an hour ago. I never felt as refreshed as I did after eating most of her left shoulder and the back of her right leg. I'd planned on eating more of her, but now that her heart has stopped, and she is now like me, I no longer feel the need to feast on her. The call from Ben hasn't come. I don't think it will. Even as I write this, I feel the last bits of my sanity slipping away. The transformation is almost complete. I'm pretty sure that Stacy was right about what I've become 
and now she is one too. To whoever finds this, please understand that this is not the end for me. Everything has come into complete context for me, including why those four guards seemed as if they were trying to keep the contents of the tomb from escaping. He was much like I am now, just 2,000 years ago. They didn't know how to kill him, so they buried him and made sure he couldn't get out. Well, they never thought that people would eventually want to ding him up and spread his gift to the rest of the human population. He was a zombie too, the first zombie. Having just listened to a voicemail from my former workplace that said that his body is missing, I have to wonder how big this will get, or how much I'll remember of it, if anything at all. I have to go now. I'm feeling hungry again. So very hungry. There you have it. That was the end of The First Zombie. That was part two of The First Zombie. It ended pretty much like it did the last time we played it, but a little bit better sound quality. There was still a little distortion in there. I admit that I am not perfect with this audio recording. I am in desperate need of a better microphone. I will be looking into that very soon because I want to upgrade some of my equipment. If you know of a microphone that you would recommend for podcast recording or just, you know, my other podcast, I'm talking with Drew for the Naked Bootleg, if it would be a good for, if it would be good for uh, doing conversations, please let me know. You can con- contact me at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. I just prefer it be a microphone that doesn't cost like 80 or $90 more than that. Okay, so let's get into my week. So, it was a rough week. Started off with trying to get through the week because I've had a bad hip. It's been bothering me for about three consecutive months. It's an injury from being at work uh, as a mailman. I have taken a lot of falls, slipping on ice. It's kind of messed with my hip. When I was running this summer, it was bothering me, and I did some research, and it, as it turns out, it, it basically said it's a condition in which when you slip a lot, it kind of hurts your hip because of the, the jerking motion when you slip and you catch yourself, and it kept coming and going, and eventually, about three months ago, it came back and never went away. So I've been to the doctors and done all that stuff, and finally, they decide they're going to give me a cortisone shot. So they inject me, and, well, that lasted a whopping two days. My job has just been so hectic, and with it being so snowy, and it's been kind of uh, warmer out lately since that whole polar cycle, or whatever they called it with the whole Arctic or polar, well, you know, the really, 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 really cold weather. So the cortisone shot only lasted me two days, but in the meantime... So I did not get the opportunity to take my daughter to the doctor like I was supposed to, so I had my girlfriend take my daughter to the doctor, and while trying to do that, she ended up blowing the transmission on my van because she's spinning the tires, trying to get up a hill, it just wasn't working, and eventually she tried gunning it, and gone. Yes, that was my technical term for blowing a transmission. Well, technically, she only blew out the drive. So, took it to the to the mechanic. Mechanic's a friend of mine, and he takes a look at, at it and says, 
you know what, for cheap, I can actually get it working. You're not going to have drive, but you'll have, you know, first, second, third gear. You'll be able to get around for a little while. It's a cheap fix. Here you go. We're all set. I'm like, yeah. In the meantime, everything's taken care of. Other than not getting my daughter to the doctor that day, I've got everything taken care of. I'm all excited. I start looking for a new van for my family. I find one really quick. Only issue is I got to get to the weekend. So I'm thinking like three days. That's all I need to do. I just need to get to the weekend. Then I'm going to have like 13 days off. I'm going to have a new van and everything's going to be great, right? Yeah, wrong. Reschedule my my daughter's doctor appointment and I'm going to the school to pick her up. So got to go up the hill to the school. I'm running a little bit late. I should have gone around. I decided I'm going to go up it and... I'm in first, going up the hill, I have to shift a second, I shift it in a second, and nothing. I'm six blocks from the house. I've lost the ability to do, to do any drive, no forward at all, but I have reverse. So, what should I do? I'm like six blocks from the house. I have reverse. I don't have drive. I should park it and wait for the tow truck, right? Nope. I don't, I do not wait for the tow truck. I am not paying a tow truck after I just paid to fix the van. I just paid for a tow truck to get it to the, to the uh, mechanic to get it fixed. I'm done paying. I am a survivor. I put that baby in reverse. And I am driving down the road on the correct side of the road in reverse. There's this one catch. I got to drive past the courthouse and the sheriff's department in reverse in my van. So I'm driving past the courthouse. I'm looking out the window and here comes the work van. Sheriff driving the work van gives me the dirtiest look I have ever seen as I'm driving in reverse past the courthouse. I just wave, shrug my shoulders a little bit like, hey, what you gonna do? And I get it back to the house, and then I bring it right into the driveway in reverse, and I park it there. Done deal. Got my new van the next day. All is good. So as I'm delivering the mail on my last day, I run into both the chief of police and the lieutenant, and I ask them, hey, so, you know, was there any uh, complaints about a guy driving in reverse past the courthouse? No, no complaints. I live in a small town. People have seen weirder things. So that was my exciting story for the week. And now for the other part, I'm going to be out of town. I have some matters to attend to. So if you order any books within the next three days after this episode comes out, there's going to be a little bit of a delay on getting them to you. But I assure you, I will get them to you as soon as I get back. My great-grandmother died this past weekend. In fact, on the very same day I was driving in reverse past the courthouse, she died a couple hours later, uh, kind of sad, and so I will be leaving town and going to the funeral to pay my final respects to a wonderful woman, a wonderful grandmother, and just an all-around good person. I'm going to remember, I remember all the, the fun we used to have. It was, she was uh, always taking the dogs for walks past my, you know, past my grandmother's house. 
you know, my great-grandmother lived next door to my grandmother, one of those situations, but she would always go for walks, and we go for, my brothers and I would go for walks with her, and she always took the dogs out. Then we'd go back to her house, and she'd give us money so we could walk down to the ice cream shop and buy some ice cream, and then we'd play uh, card games on her, on her kitchen table, which was always fun. She's going to be missed by me and my entire family. So, enough about that. Time to wrap things up. It's the end of the episode. Visit the website, goingpostalpublishing.com. I've already given you the email address. Twitter is at goingpostalpub. Facebook is facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. If you are purchasing anything through Amazon, be sure to click on the banner on the webpage and go buy whatever it is you're going to buy. I get a couple of pennies for every dollar that you spend, and that all goes into buying new equipment for this very podcast. Microphone. I need a microphone. That's going to do it. I will see you all in February. The next story that you are going to hear is a story you have not heard on this podcast before. It is a very interesting psychological uh, it's a it's an interesting story. Let's just say that. It is called The Confession. Thank you for going postal with me. I will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub, or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing. <laughs>